Hello, Timajulam. Karibuni sana tena. We are still on the Axe series. Very exciting series. I'm really enjoying going through this book. I hope you guys are being blessed through this series. And if you are, please give us some feedback in the comments, man. Tell us, tell us how this series is blessing you. What are you learning? What are the things that you're learn. I, I just love hearing. Um, join our WhatsApp community. Send us the things that you're learning. Love it. Love hearing from you guys. Um, so, last week we learned about the life of Peter. And uh, what a beautiful life, man. The whole time, again, I, I just studying the life of Peter and understanding the man that he was and how God used him is such a, is such a beautiful thing for me because I feel like a Peter, <laughs> you know. Uh, many flaws, but, but still, you know, God... God uses and God is the one who comes and he justifies and he sanctifies. Remember we learned about that, that God is the one who justifies us and he also sanctifies us. And Peter was a perfect representation of that, that, that he was the guy who God justified and also sanctified. That through and through, even though he's many, many, many flaws that he had, that God worked through all those flaws to cause him to be a champion for the faith and a great anchor for the church of Jesus Christ. Now... Today, we are still on chapter 5. <laughs> Guys, we're going to move, I promise. Okay, we're going to move, but we're still on chapter 5. And now we'll be reading from verse 17 to 41, okay? So allow me to read. Then the high priest and all the associates who are members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the, to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at loss wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went to his offices and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned, to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, they said. He said, Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by, the, by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodas appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed and his followers were dispersed and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, 
leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had counted, they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. Now, as we know, at the time, we had already read this, that these guys had already been arrested in Acts 4, right? Remember, after the healing of the guy who was the cripple, they were arrested and they were commanded by the, Jewish, the, 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 the Sanhedrin, do not speak in the name of Jesus again, right? But these Jewish leaders obviously were against and still opposed to the gospel because it taught about a man that they had murdered and they knew that they had murdered him. So according to these leaders, they imagined, just like how you heard Gamaliel speak, is that if they just kill this guy, they kill this movement that this guy was, had started, right? That it meant putting an end to the euphoria that, for, that, that Jesus had caused for almost three and a half years since he came onto the scene. So they imagined that murdering Jesus would put an end to this radical teachings that he had, um, he had begun teaching. And the, 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 and, and the thing is that these radical teachings were literally threatening the livelihood of the priesthood, right? Let alone their beliefs. It wasn't about the challenging of their beliefs. It was the fact that this thing was affecting their livelihood. And this thing that Jesus had started was something that was causing and a lot of people were buying into, right? And so they, they, by murdering him, we put an end to this thing. And it says here, as we began to read it, that it says that they were filled with jealousy. And the reason why they were filled with jealousy is because, if you look at the previous uh, verses, is that the apostles were doing mighty signs and wonders amongst the people. And because of this, a lot of people were coming and becoming members of what they called then the way. Remember, they, at that point, they were not called Christians. They were called the members of the way, right? And... Uh, this, this, this whole thing was, was gaining momentum. There were many signs and wonders being performed. And there was the same euphoria that they tried to kill off of with Jesus was happening with these guys, except that these guys were speaking of a man that they had murdered. And so they arrested these guys in an act of intimidation, all right? Because remember, they had really warned these guys not to preach in his name. So they arrested him again. But then it says that an angel of the Lord came and busted them out of prison. Right? Busted the, 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 the apostles and the disciples out of prison. Right? And then he says to them, this angel, he sends them to the most public of spaces, the temple courts, and he tells them, tell the people about this new life. Right? And when the Sanhedrin find out, they are pissed. Right? They are so pissed about this whole thing. Because they saw this as a direct threat towards them, seeing as that they were determined to sweep this whole thing under the rug. And these disciples were stopping them from doing just that. They were frustrating their efforts in sweeping this whole thing under the rug. Okay? Now, there are three things that I want us to take out from this passage of scripture that we just read. Three things, right? Number one is, speak the whole message. Now, the word used here for life is the word that we learned about in the first episode of the Kingdom series. Now, when I say the, the word used here for life, I mean 
in the passage where it talks about in the beginning where the angel says to these guys, he says to them, that go into the temple courts and tell the people about this new life. Remember what we just read, right? And so the thing is, is that the word here that's used for life is the same one that we used in the first episode of the Kingdom series, if you remember, and you go back to that. Remember we talked about the word zoe. Zoe, as I hope you remember, is the word that speaks to vitality, to progress, to fullness. Okay? That this is the promise that Jesus gives to us. This is the promise of the kingdom, that the promise of Christ Jesus is eternal life, that he who has the Son has eternal life, has eternal zoe, enduring zoe, right? In this life and in the life to come, right? Now, in the original Greek text in verse 20, which you just read where the angel says to them, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people about this new life. The way that it is written in Greek is that it says, go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. The whole message of this life. The whole message of this zoe. Go speak the whole message of this new vitality, progress, fullness that can be found in Christ and Christ alone. One thing that I've come to realize is that no matter how we view a person's life outwardly, no matter how we view them, how much money they have, how much fame, whatever it is, if they do not know Christ, then they do not have Zoe, which is enduring vitality, progress, fullness. We were created as human beings to have Zoe. In Genesis 2, when God created man, it says that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living person. The word used here, for life in its definition is similar to the word zoe, meaning that God breathed into this man vitality, fullness, progress. The thing is this, is that if this breath, right, was only meant to define the ability, if zoe and life, this life was only meant to, to, to define our ability to breathe, then we would have seen the same breath of life being given to animals, right? But it says specifically that God breathed the breath of life into this man, right? It doesn't say that he did it to the animals. But it is only in man, it's only man that, in whom God breathed zoe, that he breathed vitality, fullness, progress, so that what we realize is that God did not just give us breath in terms of us just being able to just breathe, but he gave us vitality and fullness. That vitality and fullness is that now that, that's, that's what we lost when we left the presence of God. Right? That's why he says you shall now go toil in that place. Because what, what was then taken away from us is that ability, that zoe that we had in the presence of God that we lost through Adam and Eve. And so we were built to experience zoe to experience vitality, to experience fullness, and not just vitality and fullness, but enduring vitality, enduring fullness, enduring fruitfulness. This is why oftentimes you see when Jesus walked on the earth that he healed the sick and he delivered people from evil spirits because these things hindered vitality and fullness. Demonic oppression denies us of spiritual vitality. Disease denies us of physical vitality. Right? It is for this reason that anyone that is devoid of Christ, cannot access Zoe. 
because he is the author of Zoe. He is Zoe itself. He is the one who breathes life into us. He is the vitality and fullness that every person, knowingly or unknowingly, desires, is longing for because he made us to experience Zoe. That is the thing that we're all craving, that we all desire, is life, the life that Christ gives to us. What he says, that he who has the Son has eternal life. Not will have, has, has Zoe. And so the angel comes and tells the disciples, teach the people the whole message of this life which we are able to find through Christ alone. The whole message that the life we are also valiantly searching for is found in Christ alone. And oftentimes what happens is that we do not give the whole message of this life that we have received in Christ. What do I mean? That most times we give people the, the message but not the whole message. We shy away from telling people the whole truth. That it is only through Christ Jesus that they can escape the emptiness of an existence devoid of zoe, of an existence devoid of fullness, of purpose, of vitality, that no pursuit will bring them the fulfillment that they are seeking. There is no relationship. There is no amount of money. There is no amount of possessions. There is no amount of meditation. There is no amount of positive thinking. That it is only through Christ Jesus that we are able to experience Zoe, vitality, progress, fullness, and not just that, but enduring vitality, enduring fruitfulness, enduring fullness. You know, there's a friend of mine who recently shared with me how even in one of the most challenging moments of her life, that since placing her faith in Christ Jesus, she cannot explain this internal peace she's experiencing. My friends, this is the fruit of Zoe that we receive in Christ Jesus. When I think about, even as I shared with you guys, the many challenges that this year began with for me, right? When I think of all the different challenges that, that, that this year began with, um, for my health, there's many different things happening, right? And yet, even still, in spite of all this, like, it's so strange. It's like this coexistence of, of external turmoil and physical turmoil, but it's like internally, inside, is this stillness, this peace that cannot be put into words. It's like, even in the midst of tribulations, it's like, there's a stillness that is so, I mean, it's, it's literally the peace that surpasses understanding because I'm trying to understand it and you can understand it. This is the fruit of the Zoe that we receive in Christ Jesus. And so the thing is that sometimes when God works wonders in our lives, we sometimes like to give the impression that it's on account of some godly act that we did or the fact that you know, God provided for me because, because I did this act of giving or, or God healed me because I fasted or this, all these things. But we don't realize that we don't give the full message and the whole message. One of the things that you observe about how the apostles shared the gospel of Jesus, one thing is very clear. They make claim that the wondrous acts that they performed and experience are on account of faith in the name of Jesus. They taught 
that the people that whatever this new life that they're experiencing, that they, this new life can only be achieved through no other work other than them placing their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the whole message. This is the whole message that Jesus Christ is the one that carries our redemption from the corruption of this world. It does not mean that we will not face many tribulations, but through it all, the promise of eternal Zoe reveals itself in us. That in spite of it all, through him, we will experience enduring vitality, enduring fullness, enduring progress, enduring fruitfulness. Our lives are infused with divine meaning and purpose because of Christ and Christ alone. That is the whole message. It's not some positive thinking. It's not some good vibes. It's not because of whatever it is that you think it is, some relationship. It's not because of money or possessions. It is because of Christ Jesus. That is the whole message. That Jesus Christ is the one who gives us life. Zoe, enduring fruitfulness, vitality, progress, and fullness. The second thing we can take out from this passage is this. Is that the gospel attracts persecution. Jesus taught this to his disciples and he says it to us too. The gospel attracts persecution. Listen, not everybody is going to like your stance. Not everybody is going to like your message, and not everybody is going to like you. Jesus taught his disciples to expect persecution on account of his name. And so, if you are someone who is keen on pleasing people, you will certainly, certainly struggle with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And further, you will struggle with living your life for God. You know, when Peter and the apostles were confronted and ordered to speak of this new life they had received through Christ. They said to the Sanhedrin, when they were told, do not speak in this name. He says, you know, we must obey God rather than human beings. You know, the thing is, is that this world conditions us to crave the approval of others. Our egos crave the approval of others. We crave approval and applause of others. We have this constant desire for the approval of others, which fuels so much of the vanity that we see on social media. Or even now, you, you, you know, I'm sure there are so many of us who know of a story of a guy or someone who gets into so much debt so that they can look a certain way to others, so they can appear a certain way to others, literally just living their lives to please others. Some of us grew up being told, you know, to, do, to dress a certain way, to act a certain way. Otherwise, what will the neighbors think of us? Right? This is the unfortunate reality of the world which we live in. Right? We are conditioned to crave and desire the approval and applause of others. But in this new life in Christ, if we continue to carry the burden of people's approval and applause, we will find it virtually impossible to live for God. You know, the other, just recently, the, uh, I, was, I, was, I was having a conversation with some friends. And I was telling them about how, you know, the, the slippery slope of preaching. Where, you know, when people come and tell you, like, uh, you know, that was such a, that's such a great message. <laughs> you know, after you preach, you're just like, so, so blessed. You know, especially, not really now online, but I remember even at the time when, you know, church was, was uh, fully open. It's just like, you, on the pulpit, you preach and guys come, it's so good, so blessed. 
And what happens is that this, if, if, if you are not careful, what would happen is that those things that people and the compliments and the, and the praise and all those things become to be things that you begin to start to crave. That unless people come and tell you, you know, good job, whatever, you start to be like, hey, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't uh, deliver that thing properly. And so the thing is, you end up becoming a person who begins to prepare messages that will please the people rather than preaching messages of what God is wanting to tell the people. And it's such a slippery slope of praise and that when you, that when you take it on, that you're just there like, ah, now you begin to bask in this thing. And now you begin to get into this whole idea around the performance. And you forget that the thing that really changes people's lives is not because of the words that you speak. It is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in those words that you speak. That whether there's a performance or not, it does not matter because the Holy Spirit is the one that comes to impact the lives of people. I remember one time a friend of mine came and asking me, like after I had preached, like, so what was the feedback from? <laughs> what was the feedback from the audience? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, what I really meant to say was that, like, one of the things that I had to realize is that you cannot in any way get caught up with the opinions of what the people think about the things that you're doing. Because truth be told, that there are many, many a time where God could literally send you to speak to a crowd of a thousand people simply because he wants to talk to one person. God is the God who left the 99 to go and look for one. That's the God that we serve. And so you cannot get caught up with the praise and approval of others if you are going to do the will of God. You cannot. The point is this. Once you purpose to live for God, then you must expect to face opposition. Any person who shares the word of Christ and does not face opposition at some point, for me, is quite questionable because this is a guaranteed promise from Jesus Christ himself. And it says that when you face persecution for Christ's sake, Jesus says that you are blessed. He says in Matthew 5, 11 to 12, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in this same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the reason why it says in the passage that we read earlier that the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. This thing is a blessing. And so the thing for us is to come to terms with this reality that the gospel attracts persecution. And so it's important for you to mentally prepare yourself for this. First, by beginning to starve yourself off of the approval of others. This is not a thing where I'm just like, okay, now I don't care about what other people think. This is literally a thing where you begin to starve yourself off of this desire and craving for the approval of others. That is the first step of being able to really place yourself at a place where you can be able to boldly not only speak the gospel, but also live for God. And then, when you're persecuted, rejoice. This is not a bad thing. This is not a, this is not a reason for you to be, to be sad because they have an ex they're just like, uh, they're speaking all these lies about me, they're saying all these things about me, and yet it's just because I've changed, my, you know, my life has changed, whatever, and I've come to speak a message. Listen, when you're persecuted, rejoice. It's often a sign that you're on the right path, okay? 
often a sign that you're on the right path, but expect it. Expect that not everyone is going to like your message. And this message is not for you to be liked. It's just for you to be obedient in being able to be used as a witness for Jesus Christ. And even as God is using you as his witness, not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone is going to be on board. And not everyone is going to be in approval of this new life that you're living and that you're proclaiming in Jesus' name. Amen? Now, the third and final thing that we can learn from this passage is that God's plans don't fail. In the passage we read, the Pharisee named Gamaliel addressed the Sanhedrin and said, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos arrived, appeared, claimed to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed and his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. I need just for emphasis, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop it. My friends, I feel like this is something even, this should be like a life mantra, <laughs> right? A word that can be applied to everything. It can be applied to business, relationships, personal growth government, you name it. If whatever we are doing is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you cannot stop it. You know, I remember in Malawi, um, when the, the previous election, when the election was annulled uh, by the courts, and they had to go back to the ballot, similar to what happened to Kenya. President Lazarus, who was, is, was the challenger at the time, but he's the president now, said this after the court had annulled the fraudulent election, where he said, and this was his statement after the court had annulled the election, he said, as you know, many dark forces have labored to prevent this election, but they have failed. Because no force on earth can stop the change that God has decreed for us. And he ended up winning the election. There have been many, many times that people have tried to destroy the church. Many, many times. But like Gamaliel said, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop it. The reason why the gospel message has endured to this day is because it is from God. Many religions have come and gone. Many religious leaders have come and gone. But the message of Jesus Christ remains alive and active because it is from God. The gospel does not carry the message of God, simply just the message of God, but also the power of God. This is why it still continues to be the message that brings life to the lifeless and brings hope to the hopeless. But this principle is for all things. This principle that if it is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, it will not fail. You cannot stop it. This is why Wherever God is, 
is where we should be. This is why it is so important to submit your will and your plans to the Lord. For him to direct and lead because where he is, is a sure bet. Though you may and most probably will face opposition, it will not fail. God's plans don't fail. But if the purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. You know, I can, my friends, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've wondered to myself throughout this journey, and specifically for me, this is in regards to I give a lot of business examples, in regards to business. Why has my business not failed? <laughs> like I've we've we've so many times been on the brink. So many times on the brink of failure. And still every single time, Bado took or two, just here bouncing back. And for the Lord, I'm just like, man, what is this about? And as I was preparing this, it made me realize, I was like, aha, that in spite of all these many challenges that we experience throughout this journey, that the reason why this thing just does not seem to come to an end is because it's God's idea. And here's the thing. It's not to say that a business coming to an end means that it wasn't God's plan. I had a business that actually did come to an end. Um, and, and in the world standard, was a, would be considered a failure. But the thing about that business is that it's the business that gave me the idea for the business that I currently have. So in essence, if you think about it, it actually didn't fail. It actually fulfilled its intended purpose, which was to lead me to the next thing, Right. But my point is this, is that if it's God's idea, if it's God's plan, it does not matter if you face opposition, if you face obstacles, if you face persecution, God's plans don't fail. You may face trials, but they don't fail. God's plans don't fail. The gospel is God's plan for our restoration. And this is why till this day, the message of the gospel is as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago because God's plans don't fail. Again, in the words of Gamaliel, if, the, if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop it. God's plans do not fail. And so to recap the three things that we've take out, we can take out from this scripture today. The first one is, speak the whole message. That there is hope, that there is no hope for life, for Zoe, for enduring vitality, progress, and fullness without Christ. There is no other way. That is the whole message. Two, that the gospel attracts persecution. That persecution is promised to all that put their faith in Christ. So do not expect that everyone will be thrilled with your message or will be thrilled with your new life in Christ. Do not be in any way deceived that persecution will not come. The gospel attracts persecution. Some will call you a fanatic, intolerant, and progressive, but remember you're just the messenger. And there will be times where your message will not be received with gladness. And instead, what Jesus says to us is that we should rejoice when we face persecution because it reveals that you're on the right path. And the third thing is this, 
God's plans don't fail. If the purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, it will not fail. That though you may face trials and tribulations along the journey, it will surely not fail. This is the enduring confidence that we can have, especially when we're facing difficulties, when doing God's will. Because God's plans do not fail. Amen? Ah, God bless you guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button. Subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.